Turn with me, please, to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke chapter 16. We're going to read our text and go further as the Lord would help us. Into this series, we began some time back called One Master. Somebody say, One Master. Luke 16 and verse 10. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now this is the second time he's mentioned mammon in this chapter. And mammon is money and wealth and things personified. It's money as a God. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Keep reading. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Who can do it? No one can do it. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and stuff. You'll hold to one and despise the other. If you try to serve both of them, you'll be frustrated. You'll be agitated because one's going to be getting in the other's way. All the time. And at some point you got to decide which one you want the most. And turn loose of the other and go after that one. You can't serve God and mammon. Now uh, it goes on to say in verse 14. The Pharisees also who were what? Covetous heard all these things and they derided him. They spoke negatively about what he was preaching. They scoffed at it. And verse 15, Jesus said to them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Does God have a different value system? Different priorities than the world's general way. His thoughts and his ways are higher than those that are accepted generally here in the earth. But thank God by the Spirit of God, we can have His ways revealed to us. How many want to see things the way He sees them? Pray it out loud. Father God, God, open my eyes. eyes. Enlighten me me to see things things the way You see them. them. That Your values values would be my values. values. Your priorities would be my priorities. Hallelujah. In Jesus name. Is that his will? Then you know he heard it. And if you know he heard it. What else do you know according to the word? You know. He's going to do it. So expect it. I said expect it. Tonight. Tomorrow. The next day something will come up. And you'll think. Whew, I like that. And God will say. I ain't much on it. How many of he'll talk to you the way you understand? Somebody says, God wouldn't talk that way. If that's the way you get it the best, 
He communicates to you the way you understand. If the Lord tells you, no, I'm not pleased with that. That's not important to me. Then what do you need to say? Right. Now that I look at it again, if you don't like it, I don't like it. (laughs) Or if you say, I'm not much on that. And God says, that's important to me. And you go, right. That just went way up on my list. (laughs) If you like it, I like it. (laughs) Uh, Go with me over to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. He said, uh, this is the Amplified. He said, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we're not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. Young's literal translation says that we may not be overreached by the adversary. NIV says that Satan might not outwit us. We're not unaware of his schemes. Complete Jewish says not to be taken advantage of, for we're aware of his schemes. He said uh, uh, in Luke 12, we've been reading too, where he said, uh, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And the reason the Pharisees got upset about what Jesus said about you can't serve God in mammon is because they were covetous. And covetousness simply means a yearning uh, for more. And the same uh, word has the meaning of fraudulency. Fraudulency and extortion. And when I first saw that, I, I didn't see how does that, to be covetous means you want something you shouldn't want, or you want something more than you should want it. But then how does that mean the same thing as fraudulency and extortion? In fact, the same word that's translated here, Satan will not get an advantage over you. That same word's translated defraud. Instead of saying get an advantage, we could say it like this, Satan shall not defraud you. Now, how are we to understand that? And it's taken me a little bit, but that's why I'm excited about this. The Lord's answering our prayers and questions about what's him and what's not him. One thing he's showing us is who the devil is and how he operates. And if we understand that, then we'll recognize his operations down here and in the things of men. And we'll know if it's him, that ain't God. We'll see that's not him. We certainly don't want to be involved in something thinking it's God and it's actually the devil. Has this happened before? Wouldn't that be defrauding and deception? Now, the devil, one of the devil's main tools is deception. Jesus said in John 8 that the devil was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. The devil has zero truth in him, and when he speaks, well, if he has no truth in him, when he speaks, it's a lie. 
Because he is a liar and he is the father of lying. He fathered lying, deception. And there is nothing more devilish than deception, than lying. Friend, you and I ought to absolutely despise a lie of any kind. I didn't say hate liars. But hate lying and deception. And I know a lot of people grew up different ways. And sadly, a lot of church going Christians grew up with a lot of deception in the house. And were taught as children to lie. Little white lies that won't hurt anybody. There ain't no such thing. Or to say, well, I, I just care too much about them. I love them too much to tell them the truth. That's junk. If you're a believer, if you're going to act like the Lord, lying is not an option. It is absolutely impossible for God to lie. Is that true? So if there's lying involved, if there's deceiving involved, then the devil's in it. Now keep that in mind. If deception is involved, the devil is involved. Every time. To whatever degree somebody's yielding to him. And it'd be hard to find somebody in this room or in Sarasota or watching by the internet that's never told a lie. It'd be challenging. I mean, it starts early. Two years old. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You told Junior not to get in the cookies. And you come in there and the cookie jar is on crooked and there's cookie crumbs on the counter. And Junior's there and he's got chocolate on his face. (laughs) Junior, you been in the cookies? Mm Mm-mm. And people laugh. Honey, it ain't funny. You won't be laughing when they're 16 and lying to you about if they took money out of your purse or not. Or where they were. Or what they've been doing. It doesn't get any more devilish than lying. This is so serious. And yet so many people treat it so trivially. And like, well, I guess we all lie some every day. You don't know everybody. And you don't have to lie every day. In fact, you can go for years at a time. And not try to deceive one person or tell one lie. I'm not telling someone, well, I, I, no, I told that, but it wasn't true, so I guess I lied to you. No, if you believed it to be the truth, you weren't trying to deceive them. An error and a mistake is not the same as a lie. We're talking about purposely trying to deceive somebody. That is devilish. And no matter how much you've done it in the past, You ought to want to get rid of it and get it away from you and make up your mind. You're going to be a person who's a person of their word and honest and represent the Lord. And you can't be a man of God and a man of a woman of faith unless you make this decision. It's going to get in the way. I mean, think about Mark 11, 23. This describes a person of faith. What does a person of faith have to do? If you will say to this mountain and believe that what you say comes to pass. You'll have what you say. What do you got to believe? Didn't say you got to believe what God says. What do you got to believe? 
you got to believe what you say. Well, if you're a liar and you know half the time what you say is not true, you're going to have major problems believing what you say. That's why I say you can't be a person of faith unless you're a person of your word. We've all made mistakes in these areas. But listen, let's get it set in our heart. I'm not going to be a liar. In fact, somebody needs to say it right now. I'm not going to be a liar. I'm not going to tell lies. I'm not going to take a part in that which is of the devil. Make up your mind. Now you got to put a, an anchor down because you will be tempted to tell something that's not right, to cover your hide and, and keep yourself from looking bad and every other kind of thing. There can be some times when telling the truth is going to cost you money. You got to make up your mind right now. I am going to tell the truth no matter what it costs me. And if you don't get that settled in your spirit once and for all, then it'll just be a matter of time till you tell another lie. Somebody said out loud, I will, I will by, the Lord, by the grace of the Lord, tell the truth, tell the truth no, matter what, no matter what it costs me. You got two choices. Tell the truth or say nothing. <laughs> but what you say must be what you know and believe to be the truth to the best of your knowledge and understanding. Or elsewise, you're yielding to the enemy when you begin to try to deceive somebody. And how many feel strong about this? That's what the devil tries to do to you every day of your life is deceive you. And lead you wrong. Get you to believe lies. And rob from you. And defraud you. You do not want to be like him at all. Right? In order to be, not be like him. You want to be like the Lord. You got to be a teller of truth. All the time. In 2 Corinthians 2. He talked about that. And if you skip over to the 11th chapter. You'll see more detail. On how he does it. <laughs> you hear how quiet it got? Why? Just like covetousness is a giant problem in the church, lying is a huge problem in the church. They go hand in hand. One reason we're talking about it. They are connected. They're joined at the hip. Covetousness and lying. But no matter what other people have done and are doing, we don't have to go that way. Do we? And no matter how we've been in the past, you may have been one of the worst liars in the state. Do you believe God could help you? And you could become one of the most honest and trustworthy people in the state by the grace of God. And wouldn't that give him glory? Wouldn't it? It'd be a sign of the reality of God. Because people would say, I used to know him. Whew, God got to be real. (laughs) He was the lionish, cheatingest rascal. You ever saw. But now I'd trust him with anything I've got. How many wouldn't that be a good witness? That's a good witness. That's reality. Something has happened. Something has changed. Keep reading in this 11th chapter and the third verse. 11 and 3, he said, I fear by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. God's things are simple. Say that out loud. God's things. God's things. 
The things in Christ are simple. Now we're talking about what's God and what's not God. Well, by contrast, what about all the complicated, complex stuff? (laughs) Do you know one of the reasons why legalese has developed to the point that it has? And contracts that used to be half a page are now 55 pages? Why has it become so complicated? And why have uh, legislature become so complicated? Somebody says we need to pass a law to take care of this. And so we wind up with a thousand pages. And we wind up with all these amendments and and add-ons. Why? Because the more complicated it gets, the harder it is to keep up with and to actually know what's going on. Until it gets where people, they say, well, you need to sign this, and they look at it, and it's 18 pages of fine print, and it's all legalese, and most people just go, so what? what is it? Ah, it just means that we can do this and that, and this is no big problem, and go, Okay, most people don't read it. Big mistake. Big mistake. Most people have done it. But the reason why things get more and more complex and complicated is to hide things. So that you don't know that you're about to be taken advantage of. (laughs) Or if something comes up, they can take advantage of you. (laughs) if not why not just make it simple you're going to do this I'm going to do this we're going to get this three sentences you agree yeah (laughs) used to be that way so you're going to buy my hay for X amount a man you want a hundred bales and you want this that's right and and I'm going to pay you good we agree yeah that's it that's it And if a man didn't do it, the whole community thought it was awful. And it's going to affect his dealings in time to come because you don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. But with a whole lot of folks nowadays, it's not a matter of what's moral or right. It's what we can legislate and what we can get out of the person through extortion. We can sue them. Never mind what we meant, what we said, what can we get? What can we do? Never mind, I should have had enough sense to know the coffee was hot. It said hot right there on the cup. And most everybody knows you don't serve coffee cold. At least you used not to. But then to be able to successfully sue and get money. That's dishonest. And the reason why people are able to achieve some of these things is because of these realms and realms of complicated, complex, legalese. It's about details Getting caught. This reveals. Is that not the nature of the world? It is. 
Not what's right. Just what you can get. The most you can get out of it. That reveals the nature of the devil. That's how he is. He could care less about what's right. It's all about getting what he wants. And he tricked Eve into getting what he wanted. He corrupted her mind from what? The simplicity. Friend, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you're not smart enough to know what's going on. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, man, you, you didn't even finish high school. You never had a college education. Are you this or you? You don't know anything about this area. Phyllis and I run into this all the time. We've had a little education, but, you know, not a lot formally or secularly. And especially in some areas, we really don't know anything about that. But I do know the Holy Spirit. And I have learned to not let anybody sell me. In fact, don't try to sell me. The harder you try to sell me, the less you're going to get out of me. I cannot let you sell me. If I let you sell me and convince me and lead me, I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit. And I got churches and partners and people counting on me to be led by the Holy Spirit. Is that right? So I must not let you or whatever expert or anybody else lead me through their so-called expertise and try to talk over my head and use $100 words, huh? And talk down to me and say, well, yeah, you're just a preacher. You wouldn't understand all this. And maybe I don't. But this I know. The one inside me knows all about it and which way to go and what to do. And I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and I'm not going to lean. To my own understanding. And I don't have to know everything about everything. As long as I know him. And will follow him. And that was some good preaching right there. What what do you think? (laughs) Do not let somebody. Intimidate you. And treat you like you're dumb. And you don't know. And roll over you. And embarrass you into going along with something. That you don't have a witness to do. Do not let that happen. Here's a simple phrase. You don't need a reason not to do it. You need a leading to do it. I said, you don't need a reason not, well, why aren't you doing it? I don't need a reason not to do it. There's a billion and one things I didn't do this week. (laughs) There's a billion and one things I'm not involved in, and our church is not involved in, and the ministry's not involved in, and there's a whole lot of problems we haven't had because of stuff we haven't been involved in. Whole lot of things I just don't do. A whole lot of things I'm not a part of. I don't need a reason not to do it. I need a leading from the Holy Spirit to do it. He said, verse 3, 
that her mind was uh, corrupted from the simplicity. And he said, he's warning these saints at Corinth, lest the same thing happen to them. Do you reckon the devil's still trying to do the same thing? He is the original con man. And he's very tricky. He's very subtle. Very, very tricky. Skip down to verse uh, 13. He said, he's talking about individuals that had come in. He said, they are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Were they real apostles? They were not. But a lot of people thought they were. Keep going. No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That's why Hollywood movies and horror movies about the devil are such a joke. The devil never comes with horns and a pitchfork. He never, never comes as a monster. So you can see who's inspiring the scripts. One of the devil's worst nightmares is that you find out what's actually him. Satan himself is transformed into what? Angel of light. He comes as an angel. He quotes scriptures. And he's here to help you. (laughs) Come on, are y'all listening or not? Is the Lord answering our prayer about what's God and what's not? He is. This has been in here all the time. (laughs) But some way or another, every time people hear Satan, every time people hear devil, they either want to think, ah, that's just some kind of figurative something or other. And they don't even believe that such a being exists. Or they go in the ditch on the other side of the road and he's this awful monster that they are scared silly of. None of that's true. The child of God has no reason to be afraid of evil beings. None. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But at the same time, we don't need to be foolish and act like we do not have an adversary arrayed against us who is trying to trick us, deceive us, defraud us, 24-7. I wish it would stop sometimes, but he doesn't. There is this endless onslaught to trick you, to deceive you, and defraud you. He comes not, except he is coming to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. It's all the time. But he can't do anything. If we won't give him place. How many remember the Bible said. Give no place. Neither give place to the devil. If that said neither give place to him. That means it is possible. Not to give him any place. Is it? Resist the devil. What will happen? He'll come in and beat you up anyway. No. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. There's no reason for you as a child of God to be afraid of the enemy. But we do need to know how he operates and we do need to be aware and recognize when he's trying to do something and not let it work. Not go along with it and certainly not let him fool us into thinking it's God when it's him. 
Keep reading. He said, no marvel, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I had a fellow one time, he wanted to argue with me about some things that I had just preached. And that day especially, you know how sometimes we give a lot of scriptures, that day I gave a lot of scriptures. I mean, it was just one after the other after the other. And I wondered which scripture he didn't agree with. Because I mean, I, I hardly commented on it. It was just a scripture after scripture. And he said, I don't believe that. I said, what don't you believe? And I quoted some of the scriptures. He said, to make sure I was hearing him right. And he said, no, I don't believe that. And he was talking about directly the scriptures. I said, why not? And he said, well, he said, an angel appeared to me. I saw him. Had a white robe on. And he said, I never saw his face. But I saw him. Just as like I'm seeing you. And he told me this and gave me this revelation. And he began to describe it. And the further he went in, I mean, by the second sentence, I knew where he was going. I'd heard it before. It was error. It was wrong. It contradicts, the scriptures contradict it. And he said, but I saw this. And as he was saying it, I thought, he probably did see an angel. As he's describing it, I can see he is completely convinced. And I'm seeing, I think he did have an experience. But friend, just because you saw an angel doesn't make it God. Just because you had a dream, I don't care how real it was. Or you heard something, or you saw something, Satan himself. Am I reading the Bible? What happened? Satan himself is transformed as an angel of light. That's why you need to know the word, right? You need to know the word, and you need to know the Holy Spirit. I don't care if a 50 angel choir descends through the ceiling tomorrow morning about daylight and sings to you in the most amazing light and sound display you have ever seen and heard. If it contradicts one half of one verse in this book, you laugh at it. Come on, are you listening to me? And you say, I do not accept it. Because just because it's supernatural, just because it's spiritual, doesn't make it God. Does it? Keep reading. Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So do you see his ministers does the devil have ministers? (laughs) His ministers take on his characteristics of passing themselves off as something they are not. God's ministers take on his characteristics of love and light and truth and grace and peace and joy. The devil's ministers take on his characteristics, wolf in sheep's clothing, passing themselves off as something that they're not. I said the enemy, the devil, the adversary, is the original con man. Con is a shortened version of confidence. And what conning or scamming is about is getting you to believe something and put trust in something that's not real, that's not right, in order to take something from you. Now, if the enemy came and just stated to you his purposes honestly... 
it wouldn't work. <laughs> the Bible tells us Satan did this with Eve. How did he do it? Was she and Adam standing out there around the tree where they shouldn't be? Just looking. Well, it don't hurt to look. Ah, yeah. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. And so the enemy shows up through the serpent. And he zeroes in on Eve. Because he believes she's the softer target. Turns out she was. And he says, that's beautiful, isn't it? She said, that is amazing. He said, have you ever seen that kind of luster and radiance? Now you've partaken of all these other fruits, but do any of them look like that? No, they don't. So imagine what the experience, the taste. Now the devil is the most amazing salesperson you have ever been around. He is the original con man. He's been around for we don't know how long. He's been in the presence of God. He's, he has abilities far beyond those learned by humans in a generation. And if you listen to him and think you can't be fooled because you're smarter than the average bear. You are just the one he's looking for. <laughs> Listen to me, saints. You are not going to stand where others failed because you're smarter than they are. It's going to take more than that. And one thing that people who've been scammed and defrauded worldwide have in common is that they thought they were too smart. <laughs> For it to happen to them. (laughs) Your being smarter is not going to save you from this. Because you are not going to be able to go head to head with the devil and beat him at his game. Ain't happening. He will tie you up in so many ways. He's been around for millennia. He knows all kinds of stuff you don't know. And her mistake and Adam's mistake with her is hanging around out there and letting him talk to them. How many know there's some stuff, if you'll be honest, there are some things that when people start talking about it, that you on the inside, your spirit says, you need to get out of here. You got the Holy Spirit in you. He knows what you know. He knows what you don't. He knows what you're vulnerable in. The Holy Spirit. And when he tells you, turn that off. Throw that book away. Come on, are you listening to me? Don't listen to that. Get out of here. And if you think, well, I can separate, you know, the error from the truth, and I can handle (laughs) your pride is going to get you robbed, hurt. How many think Adam and Eve should have run? The moment he suggested that they considered doing something God told them not to do. They shouldn't have been there anyway. But they should have ran out of there. But they didn't. But does the devil care about them? No. Does he want to do anything for them? 
does he want to enhance their experience or get the no he said and he says I know God told you that you're going to die but what is this die see he knew they don't even know what that is actually what the thing is if you partake of this you are going to have a birth you are going to transcend being you are now and you're going to be as gods and you're going to see and know things he wants to reveal to them knowledge of evil knowledge of lying and deceiving and killing murder pain How many think you'd be better off never finding out anything about any of those things? And God knew that. But they didn't know it. And he sold her on the idea that she would be enhanced. She would become superior. She would develop onto another plane. Into a greater being which is his pride. He's the one that wanted to be like the most high. That wanted to get out of his place and challenge God's authority. He was able to breathe his deceiving, lying, rebelling stuff into her and into them. And she bought it and was deceived. She believed the lie and only later found out He's after their dominion in the earth. He's out, he wants them to serve him. Con man. Or con devil. Con being. <laughs> this is the way he operates the same way today. And his ministers operate this way. Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2 and 1 said there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Reagan, any around today? Who privily will bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. How many will follow them? Many. Many. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. It'll come to the point where the truth will be despised in some circles. And through what? Verse 3, are you there? Through what? Covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Now feign has to do with false, phony. Phony words and they will take you for what you have. Whose judgment now of a long time lingers not. Their damnation uh, slumbers not. Let me read the NIV. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. The Amplified says, in their covetousness, they'll exploit you with false arguments. The English says, in their greed, they'll make a profit out of telling you made up stories. Covetous practices. Skip on down to verse 14. Said they have eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Now did you notice at every turn what's involved? Falseness. 
lying, deceiving, beguiling, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices. They've practiced this and they're good at it. Cursed children, he says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of who? Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. What did he love? He loved getting the money and the stuff, even though it was a wrong way to get it. Verse 16, he was rebuked for his iniquity. Anybody remember who rebuked him? The donkey. Speaking with a man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Now this man really was a prophet. And yet, like the Pharisees, he was covetous. And at this point, he became, this covetousness made him mad, crazy. Covetousness will blind you. And make you stupid. Now I don't, I don't have to go too far. Do you know of anybody. Who has done some dumb stuff. That they should have known better. And got burnt. And lost. Why didn't they know better. And so many of them. Especially people of God. After it happened. You know what they said. I knew. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew something was wrong with that. I knew I shouldn't have trusted them. Well, if they knew, why didn't they do? Why? Because covetousness blinds you. It's being drunk on a dream. It's getting dollar signs in your eyes. And when it means too much to you, you'll go too far. You'll cross lines. You'll ignore your friends and parents' counsel. You won't listen to your pastors. When you get enough dollar signs in your eyes, you'll do stupid stuff. Here's a prophet who just gets mad. God told him, don't go. And he thought, this king... Is offering me millions. And he knew he had it. And he knew he could do it. And he began to think. What he could do with that money. I could get a new pool. (laughs) Not just any pool. I'm talking about in ground. I'm talking about. Olympic size. With the high dive. And the slippery slide. (laughs) And a Bentley. And a Bentley. And I could move out of this dump. There's a place right over there. 3.5 acres for $5 million. 20 room house. All I got to do. All I got to do. Is go over there. and Put the hoodoo on these. (laughs) Israelites. The Lord told him, don't go. But he couldn't stand it. And he got so worked up that he's 
You know, he's driving his little donkey and he's going over there. (laughs) He's crazy. He's got money on the brain. Can you see this? This is the picture of covetousness. Wanting something too much. And I'm going to go ahead and get into it right now. Beware the big deal. The big deal. (laughs) What what are you talking about, Brother Keith? The big deal that's going to take care of everything and then set us for life. (laughs) Because that's not how God does it. So, yeah, maybe sometimes. No, no. The big deal. That just takes care of everything and sets us for life for we don't even have to think about it anymore. And then that I can almost single-handedly take care of the church and all the things of God. Ain't going to happen. Not God. (laughs) That's not how it works. Would you like some scriptures? Thought you would. (laughs) Go to Jude 4. And then go to Proverbs 28. Jude 4, just one chapter in Jude. Or you can just go to Proverbs and I'll just read it to you from Jude. I'm reading the Living Bible. He talks about individuals that are constant gripers, never satisfied, doing whatever evil they feel like. They are loud mouth show-offs. And when they show respect for others, it is only to get something from them in return. Showing favoritism to gain advantage. The new century says they brag about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. And it's a matter of phony faith talk in our circles. Friends, I don't, I couldn't count on my hands the number of cons I have seen in the body of Christ just in my 30-some years of ministry, Phyllis and I. I know of churches, large, nice works that have lost their buildings and properties because of a con. Worked hard for decades to get where they are. And this shyster came in sold them on all this stuff they're going to do, and got them to sign some stuff and trust him with some stuff. Next thing you know, it's all gone belly up. A lot of the stuff he said was there never was there. I've seen believers take their life savings, invest with somebody that had heard from God. And the people know how to talk. They go, well, you just have to have faith. Just have to trust. And it's always complicated. It's too complicated for you to understand. There's all this stuff going on and there are legal ramifications and, and there's, there's gold or there's silver or there's cars or there's land or there's houses and we just got them where we can get them and we can turn them over but we need you to get some money here so we can get them out. And of course we can do things for the church. 
And the sell is that, man, you're going to pay off everything you've got and everything you've been believing for. And all the confessions you've been making about houses, buildings, and lands, and paying everything off. This is it. It's going to come in one fell swoop, and you almost single-handedly are going to be able to take care of the church from now on. Say it out loud. Not, Not God. God. <laughs> That's not how he does it. Covetousness is idolatry. Now, an idol is a substitute, replacement for God. Something that you revere, that you worship, that you pray to, that you serve, that you seek instead of God. You have one master. You have one provider. Who's your provider? He's never going to be okay with somebody else being your provider and taking care of you from now on instead of him. He's never going to be in a scenario where you don't have to believe him or hear from him from now on. No, you and me are going to have to walk by faith. Now, tomorrow, next week, till we draw our last breath. And that means we're not going to know where it's all coming from. We're not going to have it all done ahead of time and never have to think about it again. Some things can happen. And we we should expect to reap some harvest, even some big harvest. But this one big deal. That's going to fix everything and set you for life and take care of the church from now on. Tell me again. Not God. It's not God. Go to Proverbs, please. Proverbs 28 and 16. He said, the prince that wants understanding is also a great oppressor. But he that hates covetousness shall prolong his days. Anybody in here that hates covetousness? Money's not my master. People of real faith do not court and flatter wealthy people or famous people because they know they don't have to. Because they know who their source is. They know who their source is. I don't feel the need to try to find out who's got money in the church. I purposely don't know what you give and I don't want to know. And the people that I go to, the churches that I go to, we go to them at no charge. Whatever, If they want to sow something, that's between them and God. And I don't need to know what somebody has. So-and-so's real wealthy. Well, what's that got to do with me? Maybe you could talk to them. Absolutely no way. No way. I either know who my source is or I don't. And it talks about individuals flattering people. Not with honest motive, but because of what they think they might get out of them. And so there's all these politics. Oh, dear me. It's in too much of the church world. Politics. Getting to know somebody. Rubbing shoulders. Smoozing. 
Do you know who your source is, saint? Didn't you know how to beg anybody for anything? What did David say? I've been young, now I'm old. Let me tell you something I've never seen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Why? You don't have to beg. Anybody. Not mama, not daddy, not the boss man, not the supervisor, not the customer, not the client, not the banker. You don't have to beg anybody for anything if you know who your source is. And God never intended that you be anybody's source either. And them have to beg you and depend on you. That's humiliating. Isn't it? That's why it's never God's will. For the church to become somebody's source. Or a believer to become somebody's source. Or believers in the church to become the church's source. That's never going to be the plan of God. Never going to be the will of God. Never. Or for somebody to become your source. They're going to take care of you from now on. Mm -mm. Don't you buy into it? Don't you put your faith... Never put all of your faith in a man or a woman about anything. God uses men and women. We know that. But never look to anybody. I believe a man or woman can be called to be a doctor, surgeon, nurse, researcher, just like I'm called to preach. I believe that. And God uses these people. I thank God for them. But I'm not going to just put myself in a doctor's hands and say, I'm trusting you to heal me. I will do anything you tell me. I'm not going to do that. I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with a lawyer. I'm not going to do that with a banker. I'm not going to do that with anybody. Because I got, I got one master. I got one source. I got one, one, and one and only one healer. Provider, protector, my eyes are on him. Him. He can use whoever he wants to or nobody. (laughs) He can do some things not using anybody, right? (laughs) But I must not get my eyes on a man or woman and think I got to court them, flatter them, grovel with them, and beg them. Do them favors and hope to get something back. Mm -mm. No. People who have real faith and know who their God and source is don't do that. Because they know they don't need to. Can't you say amen or owe me or something? (laughs) He said, he that hates covetousness shall prolong his days. A man that does violence to the blood of any person will flee to the pit. Let no man stay Whoso walks uprightly shall be saved. He that's perverse in his ways shall fall at once. He that tills his land, that sounds like work, shall have what? Plenty of bread. But he that follows after vain persons with harebrained ideas, pie in the sky, what will happen to him? He'll have plenty of poverty. How many believe this scripture is just as true as Philippians 4.19 or Mark 11.23? <laughs> We're getting into it tonight, aren't we? Verse 20. Verse 20. 
a faithful man. Now, what is a faithful man? Faithful is two words. Faithful. Now, we know it means it also has the idea of being loyal and dependable, but why would you be loyal and dependable? It's because of trust. You're trusting somebody in this situation that keeps you acting like this. It comes back to faith. What will happen with this man or woman? They will abound with blessings. But what else? Read the rest of the verse. But he that is in a big hurry to get rich. What's going to happen? <laughs> Am I reading the Bible? The Lord blessing you and enriching your life and adding to you is Bible, is God. Getting rich quick is not. I said it's not. It's not the way he works. Rich is one thing. Getting rich quick, contrary to Scripture. Did I write this? Am I making this up? (laughs) He that makes haste to be rich. Friend, you know I believe in prosperity. You've been around here in a length of time. I believe God's a good God. I believe the finer things in life are not just made for the devil and his bunch. The Lord will give you richly all things to enjoy. You've heard me preach. If you've been around, you know. But my chief goal in life is not to be rich. And the chief goal of these churches is not to pile up a bunch of money. No. Our goal is to have all the resources to do everything we're supposed to do, to reach everybody we're supposed to reach. Yeah, that's going to take a lot of money and a lot of stuff, but that's not about having money and stuff. It's about having what you need to do the job. Don't mean a thing that you say, ooh, we got money in the bank. Ooh, we got money in the bank. What does that mean? Or if you say, ooh, I got money in the bank. You know what? One of these days, you're going to have to give an account for what you did with it. (laughs) Whether you let it sit there and rust and do nothing, or whether you did something with it. I'm not talking about to me. You're not going to give an account to me. But to him. It's not about stuff. It's not about money. It's about getting the job done. I said getting the job done. Keep reading. To have respect of persons is not good. See, this goes right along with being covetous. Why would you show respect to a person? We talked about that last week. Treating people, special treatment, because you think they got some money. Why would you do that? Because you hope you'll get some of it. They'll give you some of it some way or another. It's not good. For for a piece of man, bread, that man will transgress. He'll compromise his own morals and standards to get something that he or she wants. Verse 22. He that does what? That's in a hurry to be rich has an evil eye. Why? He wants it too much. Didn't the New Testament say the love of money is what? It's the root of all kinds of evils. He that hastes to be rich has an evil eye. What does that mean? If you want it too much, you're willing to go too far to get it. And considers not that poverty shall come upon him. 
Let me read the Living Bible on this. Verse 20. It says, The man who wants to do right will get a rich reward. But the man who wants to get rich quick will quickly fail. Verse 22. Trying to get rich quick is evil and leads to poverty. The message, verse 20. Committed and persistent work pays off. Can you see a recurring idea here? The Lord will add to you. And if you stay with him, he'll add some here to you. He'll add some more to you. It builds progressively over time. Can you see? That's his way. With you hearing and obeying and sowing and reaping. And you'll have some big harvest. But you're never going to have this great big thing happen from him that you don't even have to pray anymore or be led anymore or that you can just trust ride somebody else's coattail the rest of the way. That's never going to be him. He said, committed and persistent work pays off. Get rich quick schemes are ripoffs. I told you, Phyllis and I have been, we've witnessed close hand. I can think of a dozen Scams and cons that have been pulled in our circles. I don't know what happened in all these other places. I know that billions of dollars are stolen each year from people because of scams and cons. And I know that church people and especially faith people are some of these guys favorite targets you know why because we are ready to believe we practice our life building within ourselves. we don't have to see it we don't have to understand it we don't have to have physical proof we believe amazing things can happen We believe miracles can manifest that we don't understand, and especially prosperity-believing folk. They believe the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. We believe that amazing things can happen, and that's why it makes our kind such prime targets. Because they roll in and they go, I've heard from the Lord. The Lord put me in connection with this, and I don't tell anybody. But this is something we got to move on quickly. And uh, if we can just get enough money to get this and get this over here, then man, we can make we can make all these millions off of it. And you can pay off everything you got, and we can finance the gospel. Well, what what, what exactly is it? I can't get into too much about it. <laughs> you just have to trust. Just have faith. Well, how's that all going to work? Just have faith. Just trust. Go with me to Mark eleven twenty three again. 22, excuse me. Just trust. You have to have trust. Now, y'all got y'all to gotta stay in faith. I'm going talking to, to them this week. I'll be in London and then we'll be in Istanbul and 
then we'll be in St. Petersburg and the Duchess's second cousin has got me access. Man, they got Swiss accounts totaling billions. And they got to get this money out, but they don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, billionaires have no contacts to do what they need to do. They got to go find strangers yeah. <laughs> that know nothing about it. <laughs> now, you should see it, right? You should see that. You should know that. You should see that coming. Then why are people falling for it? And I'm talking about church-going people, tongue-talking people. Why are people falling for this stuff by the hundreds of thousands? Why? Cause of getting drunk on a dream. Getting dollar signs in your eyes. We want to believe it. Want to believe Ooh, we're going to get that $5 million. We're going to pay everything off. We're going to put a million dollars in the church. We're going to do, and then we're going to be set. We won't have to work. Is that God's way? The one big deal. That's not how you see in the book of Acts. That's not how it happened. All of them sold property and lands and came and brought it, and everybody's needs were met, but there was no one big shot mentioned. And no one big deal mentioned. You can't find it anywhere in the book of Acts. Which is our example. And so you put 5,000 in. and That got the ball rolling. And they need another 5,000. Then they're almost there. Almost there. But then it got held up. And you're going to need another 10,000. This has happened over and over and over and over again. And what you get is. Just got to have faith. Got to trust. Remember, wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. Remember, the devil quotes scriptures. He doesn't come with a pitchfork. How does he come? How does his ministers come? Quoting scriptures and talking faith. I know one of these. Phyllis and I were almost sucked into two or three of them. Because a lot of people we knew and people we loved, even some people we respected, were doing it. And they're excited about it. And they're like, man, we're going to invest $5,000. We're going to invest $10,000 and get $2 million. Really? You're going to get that kind of return. Is that get rich quick? It is. Is that God's way? Find it in the scripture for me if you think it is. I showed you some scriptures that said it wasn't. Right? Now you can reap some big harvest, but this one big deal that's going to fix everything now and this that blinds people, that's not God. And so it went on and went on and they, we had been contacted and everything's in place and, and we hardly had any money, but we could put together a few thousand and we raked and we scraped and we thought, well, man, and see, this is the thing. Drunk on a dream, you're thinking, oh, man, what I can do with that $2 million. And, and don't realize you don't know them. You've never seen what they're talking about. You don't understand. Why would you trust them? That's why I said last week, if somebody comes up to me, which this has happened, I don't know, a dozen times, 
and said, I'm going to give the church a million dollars. Should I jump up and be happy? Why? I don't know them. I don't know them. Why should I get all excited about it? Brother Keith, a million dollars. You don't know if they got a million dollars or not. And even if they do. And even if they would give it. You don't know if you should receive it or not. I told you last week about cases of churches I knew that received money and wished to the Lord they hadn't later on when they found out it was stolen and they had to pay it back after they'd already spent it. And so it came down and, and this person said, well, you know, are, are y'all in? No, we, we've only got a couple of slots left. <laughs> and, you know, and the time is, you know, after I get whatever it was next week or two, that was it. And it's hush, hush. And so I hadn't jumped in. Thank God, by the grace of God, I hadn't been a quick to jump in type guy. The Lord helped me with that. But still, it looked good. It sounded good. People that know more than me are jumping in strong with lots of money. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to miss out if the Lord's trying to do something for me. And I, we, we got seed in the ground. We're believing for big harvest. Maybe this is it. I remember I was in a hotel. We were in a convention. We were supposed to meet with the person and bring them our check that afternoon. And we had scraped together a few thousand dollars. Not much, but a few. But it's all we had. And I put my nose in the carpet real serious. And I said, Lord, doesn't seem like you've said anything to me about this. Because I had asked him. And it's like I got nothing. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice outwardly, but inside very distinctly. He brought to my mind, just, just like that, when Peter was on the housetop, you remember that? And fell into that trance, and those men came down to the and were knocking on the door. Remember what the Lord said to him? Go with them, nothing doubting, I have sent them. You remember that? Mm-hmm. They're, they're total strangers to him. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I've said nothing to you about these people. You have no reason to trust them. He said, I've said nothing to you about these people and this thing. So you have no reason to trust them. You find Mark eleven twenty two. Put it upon the screen. Jesus answering them, he said, have faith. That's half the phrase. I said that's half the phrase. That is not the phrase. Come on, tell me the phrase. Have faith in God. We are supposed to trust God without seeing, without understanding, without natural proof. But that's not the same thing to trust people. We are not supposed to trust people blindly and call it faith. Faith in people is a totally different thing from faith in God. Would you agree? And yet people have transferred their faith in God to total strangers and tried to trust them. Like they're as infallible as God. 
And when they kept saying, just trust me, just trust me. Why? Who are you? What are you? And unless the Lord said something to you about them, like he told me, you've got no reason to trust them. Well, I thought we're supposed to love them. Loving them and trusting them is not the same thing. At all. And so I had it settled. We're not doing this. But I wanted to find out some things anyway. So I kept the appointment. I had to check in my hand just to have it there. So they said, you know, needed to do this, need to do that. Were we ready to invest? And and they were so excited and all this. And and so I started asking questions. I said, well, where is this such and such that you're talking about? Oh, it's in such and such state. So the things are there that we'll be investing in. That's right. I said, well, we'd be glad to fly out tomorrow. And bring the money. And meet you to look at them. Oh no. No. no, Can't can't do that. And I mean it wasn't long. I asked a few other questions. And they decided they might not even have a slot for me anymore. Thank God. Because it was one of the biggest rip offs. Hundreds of millions of dollars. I saw the figures. Were ripped off of churches, faith churches. And this is just one. It took another, I don't know, couple of years for people to really begin to catch up with it. And I was at a place just a year ago, just a year ago. And the pastor began to tell me about this amazing opportunity that had come up. It's the same con that the Lord helped us stay out of 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And he, good guy, And he's fallen for it. He was. (laughs) Tell me who you're supposed to have unquestioning faith in. God. What about everybody else? (laughs) I like the title of that book back in the 60s. It said, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. (laughs) And I'm not saying That you can't trust somebody, but you need to measure the trust you put in people carefully. And the people that you trust a lot should be people that you have seen a lot, who've proven themselves month after month and year after year. You don't let some total stranger come up and you go with them and jump into something with them. The only exception is if the Lord did tell you, I've sent them. That's the only exception. Otherwise, you don't need a reason not to do it. You need a leading to do it. And if we'll do that, we will not be taken advantage of and defrauded by Satan's devices. He's doing not just with money, but he's doing this in every realm of life. And thank God the Bible said we're not ignorant of his schemes. Hallelujah. We got the greater one inside us. And we don't have to know all these particulars. All we got to know is if I don't have a witness to do it, bye-bye. Right? I don't need to hear anything else. I don't need to understand anything except his leadings, his directions. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we thankful that the Lord's helping us out? He's sparing us from being taken advantage of and being defrauded and being tricked.
tripped up, let's just lift up our hands and thank him that he loves us and is protecting us and keeping us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just lift your hands and praise him and worship him. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I worship you. I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.